0: Hey, do you like weird movies? You do? Have you heard of Vinegar Syndrome? Find them online at www.vinegarsyndrome.com. Vinegar Syndrome is one of the leading exploitation and grindhouse preservation and distribution companies in the world. They've got a simple three-step process that I call the three R's. Recover, restore, and release. Vinegar Syndrome has an amazingly large film archive consisting of thousands of 35 and 16 millimeter negatives and prints and are actively finding films that are underappreciated, undervalued, and underseen. So many of their releases have never seen the light of day since VHS and they're restoring them to all their glory. Some of these films do not have the right to look as good as they do, but they do. I'm looking at you, Corpse Grinders. Vinegar Syndrome has their own method of restoration where their goal is to recreate the theatrical experience as best as they can. With their own in-house lab, they scan, color grade, and restore each title personally. You'll never see any grain reduction and digital trickery on their discs. Vinegar Syndrome is a very exciting label, and we're proud to have them as a sponsor. They've been with us since the beginning, and we love them for it. Check out their website today and grab yourself a copy of Sweet Sweet X, Badass Song, Body Melt, Wonder Woman, Ice Cream Man, Christmas Evil, Dolomite, or my favorite, the Wisconsin Blood trilogy of blood beef, blood hook, and the upcoming blood harvest. Once again, be sure to visit them at www.vinegersyndrome.com and grab yourself something cool. Let them know your good friend Michael sent you. Today's episode is also sponsored by GeoPetrick. GeoPetrick loves your pet. Their goal is to provide quality, first, eco-friendly pet products. They offer stylish apparel to represent the connection you and your pet have. Geopetric is embedded with the conscientious consumer in mind. That's why their gear is made in America, providing fair wage employment using eco-friendly material including recycled bottles and vegan cork leather. Geopetric is also extremely charitable. They continue to partner with animal rescue and adoption programs across the globe to support their fundraising efforts with donations. When you shop, you save. Shelter animals across the globe appreciate the kindness and compassion of their shoppers. Another cool thing about Geopetric, they allow you to pup cycle your old gear. Do you have old collars and leashes sitting around? Don't throw that stuff away. Send it to your pals at Geopetric to get an amazing discount on your next purchase. Get it? Pup cycle? Yeah, you got it. You can visit Geopetric on their website at www.geopetric.com. That's G E O petri Pet Rick. If you use the special promo code DOGENSTEIN20, you'll receive 20% off your next order. DOGENSTEIN, of course, being the Instagram name that we use for our dogs here at the Shameless Picture Show. Uh, my dogs, Ralphie and Frankenstein. You can find them on Instagram under the name DOGENSTEIN. So, once again, that's D O G E N. S-T-E-I-N 20, all one word, to get your special 20% off. So once again, visit them at www.geopetrick.com and find some cool stuff. But, um, anyways, yes, Mystery Science Theater. You are asking me about...
1: the reboot. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure that I don't remember if that was an Indie Dodo or a Kickstarter.
0: It was one of the two, yeah.
1: Um, but um
0: Did you yeah, I, did you did you give it. money? Oh you yep. did.
1: Yep. Even though the rewards weren't incredible, um, it was like it was good to throw a little money at the the rebirth of that. I'm a huge Felicia Day fan. Uh, I've noticed and, most
0: people aren't. I, I I don't really know what she's from. I know her name, but I guess I don't know how she became a star.
1: She she became like a... a Quasi nerd star like Loki on her um, internet show, The Guild. I've heard of that. I've never seen it, but I've heard of it. Um, which I'm, if I recall, I've I've watched it, but it was a while ago. I'm pretty sure it's about Larping. Okay. Are you familiar with Larping? I am. I am. Okay. Wasn't Neil gaming on an episode of that show? Oh, maybe. If I hope so, because <laughs> that seems logical. <laughs> um, and and now she's uh deep in the in the
0: nerd culture milieu milieu <laughs> good word i was i thought Thank I, you. I would have went for well-hanging fruit and like deep in the bowels of nerd culture but your sounds <laughs> nicer your sounds less gross <laughs> it's
1: it's far less bowly
0: <laughs> yeah uh but no i have seen the new show and uh there are some haters out there for it i've noticed uh okay uh, some people I know, cause I'm not going to call them up by name to embarrass them or anything, but I, I do know some friends of mine who are really big into the original series. Who I have a hard time letting go. Who like, and I will admit, one thing I will say about the new series is sometimes their joke to rest ratio is a little high. <laughs> Like, because like one thing that they they uh, on some of the classic episodes they did really well was not stepping on the movie very much, so that way you could still follow the plot line for the movie, right? But then follow their all their also subplot line that they're running. <laughs> there it had did have I think it was like episode because uh, I'm still working through season one because it's hard to it's hard enough to As find I'm time right. to watch movies, let alone yeah. watch full length episodes of movies. <laughs> wow, that was confusing. Um, but like it was the Cry Wilderness episode, which I was actually kind of enjoying that movie. I can't lie, is the Bigfoot movie. But like there's sometimes it's like they 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 would uh, they would step all over the dialogue, and I was like, oh, I want to know what actually what they're talking about in this weird Bigfoot movie. But it, it doesn't it doesn't happen often. But sometimes their joke to rest ratio is a little high. But I I, I find myself uh, laugh out loud laughing a lot more often than I might have on the original show would make me chuckle. I'm like oh, that's funny.
1: It the the original one was so. What is the right adjective for for the humor? Not it, it funny.
0: Was... No, I'm kidding. I'm <laughs> kidding. I, love I love the original <laughs> that, show. That's
1: that's the adjective. Um, <laughs> it's cerebral isn't right, but it was it was. That that makes me sound so classy. <laughs> right, right. It was so dry. Like, yeah. there were there were times that you didn't. Like, I'm a relatively intelligent guy. And you don't. And I understand all of the film industry reference also. Yeah. And I just wouldn't get what they were talking about to the point where I'd be like researching joke punchlines and <laughs> you know on, online in order to figure out what the well, hell they means. It's, mean it's kind
0: of maybe this is giving them too much credit, but it's kind of the Neil Gaiman approach where Neil Gaiman <laughs> doesn't feel the need to pass, like he doesn't add a little asterisk in the bottom of the page and be yeah, like, "This is the, what this the, character." No free. Yeah, it's like you know, figure it out. <clears throat> um, mm-hmm. But no, there's sometimes like I, I feel like I'm also a pretty knowledgeable guy and I understand a mm-hmm. lot of the references they're making. Even if I haven't say say if they reference a movie, even if I haven't seen it, I get I get the reference. I get where it's coming from. Yeah, like they made a, they made a joke about Errol Flynn, like <laughs> like something like in one of the old episodes, like someone comes in and like starts, being
1: well endowed, or
0: just being a fucking belligerent drunk guy, Oh, there's a, that too. A guy comes in and just throws a table over and they're like they're like, look, it's Errol Flynn. It's like, oh, I get that. <laughs> no, i'm probably one of the small population of people that does get that right um but no there are some times it's like wait what <laughs> like so i i feel like some of the jokes in the new one are a lot more accessible which i appreciate
1: yeah,
0: yeah. um and however it's i've never had this issue and I'm, I'm really amused by it i will sometimes follow the uh mystery science theater reddit because oh, no. uh, there, there is a running plot line with Mystery Science Theater. So if there's things that I don't remember from previous, like shows, I was like, wait, who is this character and what's their story? And I'll look it up. Um, it's funny how much plot, how, how how deep the mythology they have considering they, might, may, they maybe have two minutes of actual skits in every episode.
1: Right, right. Um,
0: but, like, one of the complaints online is people are like, I can't tell any of their voices apart. I'm like, can you really not? Like, you can't tell, they're like, I can't tell uh, Jonah apart from Tom Servo. It's like, you can't? You can't? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's easy for me because the guy who does the voice of Tom Servo now, Baron Vaughn, he's from the TV show Grace and Frankie. So it's like as soon as he speaks, it's like, oh, I know, Bud. That's Bud. From yeah, Grace y- and you Frankie. have that
1: anchor. Yeah,
0: yeah. But uh, well, why don't. We, we, what do you think of the show? How do, does it live up to your, your your you you put down cold hard cash on the fucking table yeah, for this show? Yeah. What do you think? Uh,
1: I'm I'm very happy with it. I I love all of the cast. Um, and I think it is the right balance of. Um, honoring what it was and freshening it up, so that it's not just a pointless rehash.
0: I do appreciate that the movie selection has gotten at least a little bit better. Where like at least quality has gone up for some of <laughs> these movies. Where it's like, oh, this is actually an HD transfer of this movie. It's, <laughs> you're not you're not staring at the screen like, what the fuck am I looking at? <laughs> 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 Nice. I did have one other uh one other comment I was going to make about the show and I'm like struggling to remember what it was. So it must not have been ultimately
1: important. Um Is that how delightful Patton Oswalt is? Well, that's that's a given. Like, I, <laughs> I
0: just think he's a delightful man. Yeah. <laughs>
1: um
0: Damn. It'll probably come back to me. we will be halfway through
1: Night Riders. So I was like, "I remember." <laughs> <laughs> um Okay. Well, you mentioned uh what we're watching (laughs) that was the um, worst segue we uh, had in the show speaking of it not (coughs) being evening Mm. oh actually i remember the last thing i was gonna say oh uh, yes yes
0: what i find funny is uh so i i love the the channel trailers from hell that joe dante has done have you ever watched any of it i have not well, if, if I do, I occasionally will add audio clips from it in, in our episodes where it's okay. trailers from hell is a running co- uh, audio commentary series for trailers. So what Joe Dante, director of Gremlins and Inner Space and a bunch of other great films has done, he's, he, he, how it started is he had a large collection of, uh, of trailers on film and it started with him just talking about these movies he loved in the like two minute span of the trailer. And now he okay. brings in like um filmmakers and uh writers directors to talk about some of their favorite movies. I love that Lloyd Kaufman only comes on to talk about his own movies, which I think is funny <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> but um i i am heartbroken that Joe Dante himself hates with a burning passion mystery science theater.
1: <laughs> oh yeah,
0: <clears throat> he hates them because um he took it he he took it so personally when they did the Mystery Science Theater movie. And they showed okay. this island Earth, and they're like, "This island Earth is a legitimately great movie." And he goes into all the re- re- reasons why it's great. He's like, "It's got great technicolor cinematography," and he goes on and on. And like, and they didn't even show this, the whole movie. They they showed like he's like they showed sixty minutes of the whole movie, and it made no fucking sense. And like he, he goes okay. on, a, if I can find the clip, I want to add it in there. I just love that awesome. man, like he 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 does a a. I don't want to say similar theme, because he's not making fun of the movies, but like I just, I'm just i so disheartened that these two sections of my life, they come together and they hate each other.
1: <laughs> like when you, like, oh, you have to meet my other friend so-and-so, you are really gonna like them, and then they just... You like, hate them. You hate yeah. them. Oil and water. Yeah. It's like, oh, no.
0: fuck this guy. And then they're like, let's go hang out with that guy. I'm like, do we have to? Do we have to? <laughs> Couldn't we do something else without them? <laughs> so yeah that's what i was trying to remember is joe dante's hatred for mystery science theater. <laughs> but, uh,
1: an important an important and delightful point
0: <laughs> but my segue here would be that some some point through this episode i will be playing a clip from trailers from hell where filmmaker mick garris professes his love for night riders <laughs> yeah anyways let, let's start a <clears up throat>
1: coffee for the working man yeah
0: let's tip coffee
1: i love your owl mug thank
0: you and I, I try to make the most pronounced slurps i can i i, I did it so many times in in the, our last episode where it was just let me take a drink right right up next to mike coffee's dripping down it
1: but anyways Warning! This movie podcast actually discusses movies. Be aware that it may discuss any of the following elements endings, surprise twists, unexpected cameos, and all manner of spoilers. If this doesn't appeal to you, why listen to a movie podcast? Without further ado, please enjoy our feature presentation The Shameless Picture Show.
0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Shameless Picture Show. I am Michael Byers, and with me, as always, is a man that believes Camelot is only a state of mind. Nick Richards! I could not find a good like every- I was looking through like quote sections, and everything was like paragraph of dialogue,
1: paragraph of <laughs> dialogue, like fuck.
0: Where's like the, the good one-liners?
1: I, I know it's not a quote per se, but uh uh Another, what I was imagining was um, a man who likes to strip naked and and whip his own pale body with a <laughs> and that's a and that's not even switch. the most
0: that's not even the most homoerotic scene in the movie right <laughs> like it get, it gets way weirder and way better <laughs> than that <clears throat> but on today's episode of the Shameless Picture Show we'll be discussing George A Romero's underseen non horror film. Knight Riders. Actually, the film that Mick Garris, who on From Trailers, of, trailers from Hell, believes to be George Merrill 's best film that doesn't include The Walking Dead. <clears throat> Billy is the king of a traveling troupe of Renaissance performers that go around the United States selling goods, reenacting, and, of course, jousting. However, this isn't your grandfather's jousting. This group jousts on the back of motorcycles. It's thrilling, it's dangerous, and most of all, it's fun! However... It is not all funny games, as Billy takes his King Arthur-esque code of ethics very seriously and wants this show to be taken seriously. He wants his jousters to be treated as knights, not as insane stuntmen. Billy and his troop are slowly developing a name for themselves, and the bigger they get, the more bigwigs from Los Angeles come sniffing around trying to make the show bigger and make stars out of the knights. King Billy has no interest, but a dissension from his black knight Morgan could topple everything they've worked so hard to build. Knight Riders was Romero's follow-up to his massive hit Dawn of the Dead, and while Knight Riders didn't leave nearly as big of a mark on the cinematic world as Dawn did, it did continue to grow as a cult film, and currently has a seventy-one percent fresh rating on Rotten Tomatoes, which is pretty impressive because that's actually it's all it's all later reviews. It's, I didn't couldn't find any reviews from the time period because it was a pretty small movie, okay. but yeah. like from the two thousands onwards, critics have gone back and reviewed it, and honestly, a seventy-one percent fresh rating and a sixty-one percent audience score. For a th- for a two and a half hour movie about jousting on motorcycles is pretty fucking spectacular.
1: Right. Probably. Yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, <laughs> Romero then follow up this film with one of his really big hits, Creepshow, which we discussed on season season one episode twenty of our show. <laughs> the film was written, directed, and edited by Romero himself, with a wonderful score by Don- by Donald Rubenstein, and photographed by Romero regular Michael Gornick. The film stars Ed Harris in his third movie role, Tom Savini. <laughs> Tom Savini Gary Lady Tom Savini is only a celebrity to us horror nerds right, right. it's like you say you know who Tom Savini is so most people they're like uh no but you're like Tom Savini to someone else is like yeah <laughs> Gary Lady Amy Ingersoll Patricia Tallman and Brother Blue as Merlin the Wizard
2: <laughs> Once courageous knights roam the land, searching for adventure, ready to brave any challenge. Knight Riders. The knight is a fighting machine, disciplined in mind and heart, and noble to the death.
3: Knight Riders. Action adventure, romance, heraldry, pageantry, and magic.
2: Magic got to do with the soul, man. Only the soul got destiny night riders they ride for the crown they fight for honor that kid thinks i'm evil knievel
3: that kid thinks you're william the knight you're his hero i'm not trying to be a hero i'm fighting
2: the dragon following a dream as far as it will take them because a legend
3: lives as long as someone believes this isn't just a roadside carny anymore not for some of us it's a lot more than that it's a whole lot more you know that morgan
2: you guys is the most fun i get in my life i just don't see you all break up you think it's breaking up it's money billy it's all to do with money money makes the world go around even your world small town jails is uh uncomfortable places
3: <laughs> damn uncomfortable <laughs> Throw down the gauntlet. Take up the challenge. A new age begins. Romance and adventure live.
2: (laughs) Night Riders. The legend is born.
0: (laughs) Brother Blue. Brother Blue. So this was on both of our shame lists. okay. I
1: wasn't sure. yes, it um, was um
0: it was on my well. It was, was a movie that I've wanted to. see. I've wanted to see it ever since. There's a podcast I listened to used to listen to called the Bloodcast. And they used to do a director series where they would watch everything in a director's filmography and discuss it. Oh wow and what's even more shocking is they would discuss the entire filmography in like one episode so they'd be <laughs> rapid firing that shit
1: that is ambitious yeah
0: <laughs> yeah um and they were talking about George A Romero and uh the the host Ryan was talking about how much he loved night riders and he just says and he just kept quoting the, the, the tagline, Camelot is a state of mind throughout the entire episode. And I was like, I have to see this fucking movie. I have to. And it was not easy to find for a while. Um, uh, Scream Factory eventually did release a Blu-ray of it. But okay. it, like when I was looking for things to see, I I have this great app called Real Good that I can put my entire watch list on there and it'll show me which streaming apps it's playing. Oh at. nice. So it's like, oh well Night Riders is playing somewhere. <laughs> I haven't seen Knight Riders. I don't want to make any assumptions about you, but I'm i I'm confident King Nick hasn't seen Knight Riders.
1: I, I had not seen Knight Riders. <laughs> so I was
0: like, we gotta fucking watch Knight Riders. And I've been kind of going back and trying to reappreciate George Romero's career because I'm I'm a firm believer while I like um most of George Romero's zombie films. I'm I'm constantly thinking it's like, what if this film would have done better? how would his career play out? Because like, he liked making the zombie films. He legitimately did, but he yeah. had he had other aspirations, and every, and every time he tried making uh, a film that wasn't one of his zombie films, it did okay. Like, Creepshow kind of seems to be, like, the exception to that rule. Yeah, but, he- like... Creep. He he. We went into Dawn of the Dead, or sorry, Day of the Dead, and then he did Monkey Shines, which didn't do very great. He did Tales Tales in the Dark Side of the Movie, and he tried to experiment like movies like The Dark Half and such, and they didn't do as well as people were hoping. So he kind of went back, and his last three films were all of the Dead films. So okay. like, I just wondering, like, if Knight Riders would have done better. Where would to, his career have been?
1: Would that trajectory have been less zombie?
0: Yeah, because like he because he, he loved making horror films. so he wasn't trying to necessarily move, move from that. But I think he wanted to separate himself from I don't know this for sure. Maybe he didn't. like, uh, but i I imagine there's only so much you can do with the zombie genre yeah and or
1: maybe maybe not even um separate himself, but expand. Yeah, and no. it, it, it,
0: his budgets, he struggled to get budgets. That's why he shot, like, Land of the Dead was probably his last big budget film, which I love that movie. But, um, like, his last film, Survival of the Dead, which was not very good, had a very um, minuscule budget. And, like, I don't know. like Because, like, you watch Knight Riders, before we even talk about what we think about it. It looks like it was down and dirty and shot cheap, but it
1: looks like yep. it had just enough money to be really effective. It like you, <laughs> I was, and I'm I'm starting to get into it now. But um, the the motorcycle work, the amount of times that somebody got knocked off of one of those motorcycles with seemingly pre- I don't know what they did in the way of like stunt people, <laughs> or or like people were getting like legitimately jousted off of motorcycles. Oh,
0: there was one. Like, I don't know if it was because I. I I will say some of these motorcycle scenes went on a little too long, but that's beside the <laughs> point. There was one. I want to say it was during the first time that King Billy got taken down and all the other knights came running into which kind of annoyed me a little bit. It's like, oh, if Morgan, if Morgan beats King Billy, he takes over six. Like, oh, so you yeah. guys, you guys are going to come fight Billy's battle for him? That doesn't, <laughs> that doesn't seem very King Arthur of you. That's not. That's not going to be a new expression. That's not very King Arthur of you. <laughs> but like, one of them like shoved his lance through his motorcycle and he flipped over it. Oh I, yeah, I, I feel like that I, wasn't the
1: only time that happened. No, it's either like it's when like, they did, were... he, did he break his neck? Jesus
0: Christ! <laughs> it's like these are not safe stunts. Uh,
3: no, no,
2: no.
0: I guess let's, let's 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 backtrack just a touch and we'll oh, no. talk about what we thought of the, about, about the movies. Nick, we'll start with you. Because okay. um, I'm more familiar with the movie than you are, so I guess it's 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 a newer movie for you.
1: Yeah, I I had never heard of it. Um, the first 15 minutes were strange. Oh like, yeah, like so it's so bizarre getting dropped into their world.
0: Oh yeah, especially um, with like Billy in the water, like you're saying, and he just right? he so, woke like, up in the woods and it feels very like medieval times.
1: And I also wasn't sure how, like, in this world, in, in the world of this film, how they felt about what they were doing.
0: Yeah, yeah, you, um, yeah, continue, but I got some thoughts about that too.
1: Where it really started to take off for me was after the, that first 15, 20 minutes resolved. And so you got the taste of what their life and their, what their show was like but when you started realizing that they were aware that they were doing something completely different. Yeah. That, that this wasn't just like, um, maybe not the best uh, comparison, but like a Mad Max kind of movie where it's, where, where you're supposed to believe and you do it's, I'm not saying it wasn't effective, but where you're supposed to believe that that is the way that that world is. Yeah. You know, you're not, For the first 15, 20 minutes, you don't know how you're supposed to feel about this motorcycle renaissance fair. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. And then once it resolves, it does a really good job of bringing you into this where, where, uh, you know, a group of outcasts who believe in something that's doing something totally different, and nobody gets it yet, but other people are starting to get it. Mm -hmm. And after that is when it really took off for me, um that was that was your thrill house moment of the of the movie um i don't know if it was my thrill that's that's when i settled in i think my thrill Mm -hmm. house movie came late okay okay. um it was when when this i'd say maybe towards the end of the second act beginning of the third act um when this movie that it did have gratuitous motorcycle scenes and things it, it felt like an indie film about that made by some guy a deer head that also loved fantasy that just like you know it'd be awesome we should put like knights on motorcycles and then like all right and then they built a script around that but later on in the film it really became this story about how like true uh, at least from from my interpretation what i got out of it was how like truly unique pieces of art don't really have a place in our world and um what does it take to keep uh, a community together Mm -hmm. um and 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 how do you it two people who who believe in the same strange thing who don't necessarily see eye to eye how do you work with that person and, stu- you know, what's more important, your your place in that community or the community itself and when you have to choose. But it got really – There's these like, really interesting – Interesting, l- l- yeah. L-
0: like themes. And um, so I'll talk about in just a second like what where like it really started pulling me in as well. But I do have an interesting um, – um, anecdote for you george romero talks about when he wrote this script he originally wrote it as a traditional renaissance fair there was a renaissance fair that he was inspired by called the society of creative anachronism that he was really inspired by and the the film was originally like they they were jousting on horses and all that and he was shopping it around and the producer pretty much said to him is like eh, put him on motorcycles then maybe (laughs) you'll interest me and he was like, and he said he was fuming about this. He's like, why the fuck would I? Like, he was kind of pissed off about it and everything. Yeah, and he's like, he's like, fuck you and your motorcycles and shit. You and don't
1: understand like, my art. You're just trying to, yeah. And then
0: like, I don't. At, at one point, he's pretty much just like, you know, <laughs> that might not be a bad idea. <laughs> Maybe I was a little too 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 cross too fast. That might work. And, and like he, he rewrote the script and everything. And he really didn't have to. It sounds like he didn't have to change a lot. Uh, from what I have read, the original uh, script, original plan for this movie would have been 14 hours long. <laughs> oh, jeez. And like I kept thinking, it's like if because of their storytelling and how you, they really make you care about these characters in their world. I could have watched a miniseries of this show. Maybe not 14 hours as a total, but if they would have given me like a six to eight episode arc on this – I want because like there's times it's like as long as this movie is I want more of this or I want more yeah. of that I want to see yep. more of this because he does a great job of building this world and for me what really kind of drew me into the film because like at, at the beginning I th- I thought the movie was taking itself really too seriously like, <laughs> when when Ed Harris woke up and was preparing himself and everything and then he rode on his motorcycle and I was like oh wow this he, wow he's taking himself very seriously but mm. it was actually after it was right around after their first. Night of jousting and everything where like when the cops started getting involved and you, we started seeing their real life problems cycle in with their issue with authorities and um, and Ed Harris trying to stick to this code, but at the same time, he wants to keep this fair going, but at yep. the same time has to deal with money.
3: Everybody here made a conscious adult decision to be here to be with you when you go crazy. You force them to rethink that decision. You've got to...
2: Compromise.
3: Change doesn't have to mean compromise. We're bigger now. Things are different. Christ, we've got an overhead.
2: Publicity helps the overhead by bringing in more crowds, more sucker-headed American driftwood that can't tell the difference between me and Jim Jones or Charles Manson. Or the great Walenda, that kid. That kid thinks I'm evil Knievel.
3: That kid thinks you're Billy Davis. Sir William the Knight. You're his hero. I'm not trying to be a hero! I'm fighting the dragon!
0: And I personally felt like the film was... Um, I described the film as, as if the Renaissance Fair and Easy Rider had a baby. Right. Because... <laughs> I get the feeling that maybe this film is actually about George Romero uh, commenting on what it's like being a hippie that has to grow up. Sure. Because he has talked about how he was kind of a hippie in his early, in his early life and was involved in that world. Um, But then when he started getting involved in filmmaking, which his first movie was just made because it's like, man, let's go out there and just make something. Let's do something with art. And, um, and then it did very well, and then it started becoming a business. And it's like, how do you take this thing that you once loved, that you probably still love, and you have to transition to being a businessman? And that's kind of what it felt like to me. It's like Ed Harris created this this troop because there's a bunch of people that, for whatever reason, they all had their other their various reasons. Like Tom Savini just loved the motorcycles; he just wanted to be ride and not have to work a real job. So he got involved with this troop. They all have their reasons for being there, yeah, but. I, a, like they say in the movie, it's like we have an overhead now. We have money that we have to make. Right. <laughs>
1: the I think the movie is much better than I gave it credit for in the first fifteen minutes. Yeah. Because yeah. the real problems that they had to deal with were real life problems. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like medieval, or you know, it wasn't the problems that happened on the field. It was the problems that happened behind the scenes when they weren't playing with their motorcycles and their weapons
0: yeah i also found it funny too i i, I wondered if like george romero uh kind of leaned into this once he just mm-hmm. de- once he decided to start uh, like once he decided to use the motorcycles it's like one thing that's always been funny to me about renaissance fairs is they tried to pride themselves on being to an extent like realistic and how it was presented but yeah. because of that, you get two things that always seem to happen. They take themselves way too fucking seriously. <laughs> and it's always us looking back, and there's always this weird contemporariness to all of it. And it's like, you know, you'll have people who don't break character at the Renaissance fair and everything, but then you you can pay with a debit card and they have a cash register. <laughs> right, it. right. And I, I, I kept wondering if this, this was somehow built into that like a little bit like uh, uh like george Merrill talking about like no matter how hard you try to be as realistic as possible you're just gonna seem absurd right yeah because you're gonna have one thing that's gonna be contemporary and it's gonna just change everything
1: <laughs> we do take maybe I'm visa of... and mastercard <laughs>
0: But at the same time, maybe I'm thinking too much about this movie. I don't know. Like, I, I found myself thinking a lot about this movie. And maybe I, that's the genius of George Romero, is he makes you I, think.
1: I think it is... um And again, you know, I, I, I've already said it, and I'm being redundant, but, you know, you don't think that you're going to get this level of uh, of thought in the beginning bit. But after it, it, it is a film that does make you think. It gets your brain churning about theme and, and um, uh, the contrast of the past with the present and um, not, not all films do that. You can have a smart film that doesn't make you think Mm -hmm. Um, you can have a, uh, an unintelligent film that's really fun and you just kind of sit and check out and, and have a great time. This is a film that engages your mind. Yeah, and, and gets the gears turning and, and makes you ask questions, and I really really enjoyed that. So, would you say you overall enjoyed the film? Absolutely.
0: Would, yeah. Probably a pretty pleasant surprise for you because uh,
1: I I I went in expecting a fun time. The like, like the one that I described, yeah, where yeah, I would yeah. sit back and go, "Yeah, this is silly. Yeah, I, I can enjoy that." <laughs> it's okay. It's right. just not motorcycle. Yeah, that's that's cool. I mean, I'm I'm not really much of a gearhead, but like, yeah, me neither. I I was expecting to go in and have a good time. Yeah, I was not expecting the the thoughtfulness of yeah. it, and and for for the real meat of the film to be existing outside of the motorcycle my motorcycle jousting element
0: yeah and like I've been since I've seen this film I've been like a big proponent of it and I've just been trying to get people to see it cause like um, maybe this is maybe this is just me me going a little too high with hyperbole but like I personally think it's I've been describing it as the best Romero film that no that very few people have seen like, I think it could maybe if it would have been a little bit tighter and a little bit like cause I'm sure the two and a half hour runtime did not help its commercial appeal but I, I feel like I really... F- but hell, Dawn of the Dead was super fucking long, and everyone thinks that's a masterpiece as well. So uh, I don't think length necessarily has anything to do with it. There's something with it about that did not um, stick with people. But I personally think it's a film that's ripe for rediscovery because there's so much going on. Because for me, you know, they, 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 the... They sell it on this motorcycle jousting. Right, right. Um, but the things that I found most when, interesting was just them sitting around talking, drinking, playing music, like the yep. entire scene where, um, I think the character's name was Pippin, when they were trying to ask him about his sexual life and he was very right. closed up about it. It's like, I felt myself really invested into these people.
3: Are you kidding? In the sense of happy, carefree, lighthearted, And can we have this discussion later? Come on, be straight with me. Come on, Angie, when did you ever see Pip with a woman? I see him with Rocky a lot. Oh. Well, come on, Pip hangs out with me a lot. Yeah, but everybody knows you're my main squeeze. Oh, sure, with you hanging around with anything that wiggles. (laughs) People probably think I'm gay. (laughs) I mean, ever since I've been a grease monkey, they've been thinking that anyway. Yeah, right. Are you gay, Pip? great to have you around, Angie. You really know how to cut through it, don't you? Damn it! You take heat every day of your life from people that think you're gay. Well, I'm one of your best friends and I don't know. Are you? I don't know either. I don't. Okay. Well, maybe that's why you take so much heat, huh? I mean, Rocky doesn't take any heat. Yeah, that's because Rocky kicks ass. No. That's not true. I don't take any heat because I know who I am.
2: And very often I do kick ass.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yep. (laughs) At one point, uh, um, I was talking with Reyna about like... uh, yeah, it's, you know, for, for a film of that era, it's surprisingly woke, which, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, is, is true of Romero in many ways. And then, like, right after that, there was a gratuitous topless shot. And I go, well, okay, <laughs> in some
0: way. It is funny, though. It's like, um, there's a fun story about that. Well, at least I think it's kind of funny. So, originally, the character of Merlin the Wizard was played by a performance artist, actor, and activist named Brother Blue. Um,
1: I, I'm going to pause you real quick. To say the fact that he was playing harmonica right after performing with, like, with his bloody gloves, <laughs> like, come on, you you just got done trying to convince a cop of how sterile everything is and how professional you are, and now you got some mother man's blood up in your harmonica. Yeah, he,
0: he, but not not a single malpractice <laughs> suit, not a right. single one. Um, <laughs> Continue. <laughs> originally, the mo- it was it was going to be uh, the, the he wanted uh, George Romero wanted uh, Morgan Freeman to play the part. And it oh, was bef- interesting. it was before Morgan Freeman had been had done any acting. Like, well, he had done some, but he hadn't done a single movie. He was on a TV show called The Electric Company. Oh. Yeah. Um, uh
1: familiar with it,
0: yeah. Um, which George Romero said he was a huge fan of, which I kind of love that George Romero's <laughs> watching The Electric Company.
1: Right. <laughs> um
0: and he wanted um Morgan Freeman to do it and he said Morgan Freeman met with him but kind of had a chip on his shoulder at the time and I'll, I'll play his audio from the interview so I'm not misquoting him so you can actually hear what he says.
3: One of the stories behind Knight Riders is that I wanted Morgan Freeman for uh, uh, to play Merlin and uh, at that time Morgan Freeman was only the guy on uh, you know Easy Reader on Electric Company. And he hadn't done any films yet, but I loved him on the Electric Company. I used to watch it with my kids, and I said this guy would be fabulous for Merlin. He he came in with a chip on his shoulder. I mean, he was new to the to the, uh, and he resented that he came had to come in an audition, and he resented the fact that I called Merlin a black man in the script. And I actually said at the time, I said if if i hadn't done that casting agents would never have sent you in here uh anyway that was a big bone that he had to pick and he just said uh, he he refused to do the job because of that and i've spoken to him about this since uh i said if i told him i said if you had done that done the film i would have been much more successful you may have not never had another career <laughs> you you would have brought the movie up
1: i would have brought your career down
0: (laughs) pretty much and i'm I'm, I'm, that's very humble
1: of him yeah
0: but no it's like and especially because like i imagine that romero did it at the time too because like it was 1981 unless you specifically write a character to be black most probably black actors weren't getting called right but um yeah i can see both sides of the argument but i was like wow morgan freeman is almost in this movie what would that have done <laughs> for the movie if it would have done I, anything i don't know if i've maybe it wouldn't have helped the movie at all
1: <laughs> um i i really enjoyed saying um now uh I didn't know at the time, but it sounds like from your intro that this came out before Creep Show. Yeah, it, it
0: went Dawn of the Dead, Night Riders, Creep Show. What a weird three movie path.
1: Yeah, I really enjoyed seeing like the the preemptive Creep Show team yeah. showing up. So there's Ed Harris, there's yep. the Stephen King
0: yep. uh, cameo. They were working on the script on set. That's why Stephen King was there.
1: Okay, uh, Tom Savini. Yep. Um, there was one other element that I was forgetting. Anyway, it was it was cool seeing all that pop up. Stephen King's cameo was fantastic.
0: I love to because like I I put I put it together over the years that Stephen King is a big wrestling fan. <laughs>
1: yeah, because
0: like he has that line is like they're probably just using that blood package that they use in wrestling.
1: It's just like wrestling. It's fake. <laughs> and
0: then like because like it, it's like but yet we're we were just watching Silver Bullet last night and Stephen King wrote the script for that and one of the characters okay. he's watching pro wrestling before he dies and like there's all these pro wrestling references in Stephen King's work and then I topped it off when I met a wrestler by the name of Tugboat <laughs> back in the day uh his, his 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 wrestling name was Tugboat he was also known as Typhoon I know you didn't ever watch wrestling very much, but he was part of a team called the Natural Disasters.
2: When Jimmy Hart formed the Natural Disasters, he said he was gonna guide us to the top. Well, Jimmy's not with us anymore, but that's okay because it won't change the Natural Disasters' plans in the WWF. Sergeant Slaughter and on Jim Duggan, you've signed a match with the Natural Disasters. You are entering the disaster area. Slaughter Dugan, it's like the Quake says. Jimmy Hart is no longer with us, but it doesn't change things one bit because we're not coming inside that ring to shake your hand or give you a big kiss on the cheek. It's no Mr. Nice Guy. We're coming in for one thing, to make that ring a disaster area. And believe me, when you get finished with the Quake and the Typhoon, that's just what it's gonna be.
0: Um, and he, uh, his real name is Fred Ottman. He said, we were in Maine one time doing a, doing a show. And it's it's like he's like me and me and a typhoon. We're big Stephen King fans. We knew he lived in Maine, so we went to find his house with our book, our books in hand, hoping that maybe if we meet him, he'll sign it. They were waiting outside Stephen King's house, and they saw the gates. And they said Stephen King actually walked out, and walked up to the gate, and they goes, and he goes, he's like, "You guys are the natural disasters. I'm a big fan." <laughs> so they took like so he signed their books they took pictures in front of it and everything uh, and it's like Stephen king's a big wrestling fan i was
1: like that's kind of adorable could, could you imagine though going to like this person that you're a huge fan of to like to like admire them and hopefully get two minutes of their attention and then you see them and they're like oh my god i'm such a big fan of yours like,
0: that has to be like the most like amazing humbling feeling ever though yeah. like, like you go there to meet Stephen king who is still probably arguably one of the most prolific writers in history. He right. even, pe- even people who don't read know the name of Stephen King. Yeah. You go to his house to meet him, and he <laughs> wants to meet you. Like, ah, I just think that's fantastic. <laughs> that's awesome. But, yeah, it was kind of great seeing the Creepshow team get together. Uh, Stephen King, obviously, in it with his wife. His wife was stand- sitting ne- right next to him as well, which I thought was funny. Okay. Um but, yeah, it was, I also love to seeing all the actors that Romero uses from film to film because he uses a lot of, like, no-name Pittsburgh talent. He, he's been using the same cinematographer in a lot of these films. And it just it just kind of like – it feels like he definitely had some sort of budget because you couldn't do this movie with no money. But it just <laughs> felt like he's just – he, he kind of made – I kind of feel like this troop of motorcyclists – jousting people was also like him commenting on his troop of filmmaking friends that all got started, oh, and started living dead
1: sure his his motley crew of of outcast artists yeah the, that...
0: the people he met working on mr rogers neighborhood that got together and started making movies together and moved on from
1: there and what was that a, a appendectomy or a gallbladder <laughs> surgery or something that he felt yeah ramiro still says the scariest thing he's ever shot
0: <laughs> <laughs> Which I love, um, but one thing I think the movie really does very well is it cast even at the time, all no name actors. Ed Harris wasn't really a name. Tom Savini is only a name to us nerds um, uh, it, was, it was pretty much all no name actors, but the,
1: so stephen King was the was the he best was the biggest in the name film. in
0: the film, yes, uh, with his incredibly black beard. It looked like it was painted on.
1: It, it totally looked like it was like sponge painted <laughs> and smeared, like not yeah. even stippled, just like swiped across. And it's all like pro wrestling. I just love the way he talks. <laughs> His big buck teeth, <laughs> like he's really just leaning into those teeth. Meteor shit. <laughs> oh, Jordy Verrill, you've done it again. <laughs> Wonder how much they pay for it up at the college. <laughs>
0: But like I, I, the acting was also sincere. It, like, was, it was it was good. Yeah, like even the people who like Tom Savini is he acts now. Like he he's he's always done acting, but he didn't say he started. He didn't start taking his acting more seriously until he stopped doing makeup effects and like he actually started okay. going to make uh, to acting classes and trying to become more of a thing with that. But like he's real. He's got a lot of just natural talent. Um, like Ed, Ed Harris, it's like. I've I've always known Ed Harris, but like you could think like this is his third movie role, and you can definitely see like no wonder he became such a big star.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, it I I'm sure it helps that these are all performers. Mm-hmm. You know, their their roles that they're playing are performers. So even if their the actors' performances come off a little too performery, it works for the role.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, like, yeah, like for me, that's what, that's what really drove it. And like, um, even when times when like his code of ethics made no fucking sense to me, <laughs> uh, like I, I believed him. So like when, when that kid wanted the autograph and he's like, I just can't do it. Yeah. And like, he's he's like, I don't want you to view me as, as an Evil Knievel type, and I was like, you could have signed the kid's fucking autograph. (laughs) That that was, I'm like, don't
1: be a dick, man. Just (laughs) sign his book. But they bring it back. Like, that is where he goes when he finally lets go of all of that a little bit in order to hold his community together. Yeah. Um, And then he goes on his little, like, rumspriga of... um, Go, kicking the crap out of a cop in front of everybody and getting a raucous applause, like I have to talk about that
0: scene real quick because Ed Harris throws the gun in a fucking fryer. Right, that is so not
1: safe. That gun that is going to go off. I, I don't know how much of it is me looking at it from our modern world, but holy, like, you can't just do that, man. No, you can't just go be the like, out of a cop. Well, <laughs> or even at the beginning of the film
0: when it it really got me emotionally when um, um, I don't remember the name of the character. Um, I think it was Bagman. Bagman was arrested and yeah. Ed Harris went with him and just Ed, like the close up of Ed Harris's face as Bagman just gets the shit beat out of him. Yeah. was really just heartbreaking for me. And then like when they got out of that, it, when the sheriff finally showed up and Ed Harris is threatening the cop and I was like the sheriff's just not going to do anything about that. You can't right? just threaten but, a cop.
1: <laughs> but at the I same, mean, at the very least, pull their permit.
0: <laughs> I have to say though, it's radical at the time because it's now become so standard for distrustfulness of the police and whatnot. And like cops at the at the time in these movies were either the hero of the movie or they're used as um, or they're used as like they're a Keystone cop of some sort where they're just like a joke, right? Like yeah. um, it's it's it was. You're not with the time. I'm sure there were movies that were doing this, but I'm just going off of my um, uh, knowledge You're or memory. There wasn't, yeah. there wasn't a lot of movies that were showing like the corruption, the corrupted side of the police force.
1: Yeah, and yeah, I I couldn't speak to how common it is, but um, uh, yeah, no, it was, it was an interesting element that. That made me uncomfortable multiple times with how, um, enthusiastic Ed Harris was about it. Yeah. (laughs) And then... Like, it didn't, it didn't feel like the cop had any power, which I think is an important part of that dynamic. Yeah. An important part of the the challenge of that dynamic. Yeah. Um,
0: Um, and then, like, I was just, like, um things that i i thought were interesting too was i appreciated that the film was not like a perfect it was not perfect for any of them so you had king billy which is such a dumb name king billy i know it's king william but like king billy, king billy. um you had her whole you you had his whole issue with um you know he doesn't want morgan to cheapen this act and then he's got um his his girlfriend the queen when she's moving away from him in terms of because she was just so worried about him because he's being reckless um and like him it's funny enough he tries so hard to keep this group together the harder he tries the more he pushes him away but as soon as he lets go that's when they come together
1: right well uh i i think that Support something that's shown up in other ways, and that the way that Ed Harris Billy uh was was part of what was causing that schism. Mm-hmm. Um, it's 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 not easy being the king. Yeah, and like there's there's I don't
0: remember exactly what he talks about during the scene, but there is a scene around a campfire when they're like catching up with the rest of the group when they're hanging out with when it's when it's Brother Blue and King Billy and their manager. And they're just sitting around the campfire, and Billy starts giving an i, I gives you, lets you into his i his ideals and why he's so adamant about keeping this group together and what he stands for. And I you get the idea that he's so hurt when Morgan starts taking these offers from these Hollywood types. Yeah, who
1: the, the lawyer from Jurassic Park? Yeah,
0: that he <laughs> wants to take these Hollywood types who want to make money off of this group. Uh, And what they're doing probably wants to make some sort of, like, reality TV show about them and makes the weirdest, worst-looking armor ever. (laughs) (laughs) It looks like styrofoam. It did. Like like spray-painted pool noodles. But then, like, you had that great scene of Tom Savini, like, half naked on the Knight Riders (laughs) thing. And I was like, I want a big poster of this, and I want Tom Savini (laughs) to sign it. I want that up in my office.
1: Did you notice the poster in... um, the one night's new girlfriend's bedroom of Travolta, no. that she blows a little kiss to. No, so it's it was like the first time he goes to her house and she has the like the drunk, abusive father. Oh
0: yeah, that. Why? And by so the way, that actress was really good too. By the way, yeah,
1: yeah. So they're in her bedroom and leaving for the morning, um, and. And she's getting ready, and there's a couple of posters, and I couldn't see all of them, but the one directly behind her just said Travolta on the bottom, and it was him. <laughs> and and right when she leaves, she's like <laughs> to the poster as she has And like her, her her
0: her character was interesting too, because she was con- she wanted to get like indoctrinated into this group, and she wanted to be part of it. Um, but one she was underage, and I think when okay. when they realized that, they were like, okay, you can't be part of this anymore. And then like <laughs> she. I think deep down they also realize too that she wants to be part of this group um, because she wants to get away, not because she actually has any passion for this. And while they are a group of runaways, all of them to some extent, it's because they found something in this group that they can, yeah. that they can, they can live for. Like, um, you know, so like for example, Pippin, the char- the 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 homosexual character, he. He needed a place that he could be that he wasn't judged. You had Tom Savini who just didn't want to work a real job. You know, what's yeah. better? You can ride around and a motorcycle. He, and he, he loved
1: the motorcycles. He loved the he motorcycles. Loved the Same
0: thing with um, his girlfriend who just, you know, she's a gearhead girl. That wasn't really right. a thing in the in the 80s. And she just loves fixing up the motorcycles. And you have the other one who is the, one of the female knights. And it's like they all have their, their place Oh, yeah, here. Uh, Rocky. Yeah, she was super cool.
1: She was awesome.
0: (laughs) And I love, too, that, like, she probably could have very easily been probably the best knight in that group. But she seemed like she really understood uh, King Billy's, like, order. Like, no one but Morgan was trying to dethrone Billy. Yeah. Yeah. Any of them probably could have. She specifically probably could have beaten him. Yeah. But they didn't want to.
1: Basics. Yeah. Remember the basics. Yeah.
0: Morgan's really the only one because he had this 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 feeling in him that like I have to be the best I have that's the only way I can prove that I'm the best
1: yeah and then there was that weird uh, scene where um, Rocky chases down the the motorcycle skinhead (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah
0: That seems like such a bad idea by King Billy to let these, like, locals ride around on the motorcycles and use their gear. Like, wh- no yeah. good can come from this.
1: Right. No like, I can, I can see from a marketing perspective getting people excited and, and sharing in their joy. But, like, it's it never works out right. And no. the second time, they're like, uh-oh, they came with their own armor and weapons. That like, was so
0: funny to me. <laughs> Um, I also thought it was great too. Like when Billy started unraveling, like when his team started giving up, and the, like the sound guy eventually just said "fuck it" and just plays playing some like <laughs> some country rock music, and the entire team, like, all people, were, the more they were getting into it, the more he was getting pissed off because they're getting into yeah. it for the wrong reason. They're just looking for violence and craziness. Right. They don't respect it. Um,
1: well, and I think that's what the um, the Hollywood like it, he he. Created something for one reason mm-hmm. it started gaining attention and becoming popular for a very different reason. Yeah um, And so I think that's the the crux of Billy's Conflict during a lot of the film is he he's not interested in it becoming popular uh, He's interested in keeping it pure. Yeah uh, Just like it's so, okay
0: pure right
1: right no baby powder in this Mm-mm. motorcycle jousting tournament uh,
0: I, I talked about near the beginning that I, I could i probably could have easily watched a 14 hour version of this movie not, maybe not all in one sitting i would have had to break that up in half hour <laughs> increments because i didn't have to break the movie up as it was um um and i because i i wanted to see more of the the Hollywood production style of this, I would have liked to because they they quit before they even did anything. For sure, it. I would have liked sure. to see them them planning it more and how they're gonna do how they're gonna market this and make Savini this big um, this big name and maybe even seen more of like I I also love too that they they touched they touched on it. I would have liked to see them just a little bit more. Um, Morgan, so Tom Savini's character, um. He realized that he couldn't control this group. You know, the, the rowdier everyone was getting. When, when he
1: showed up in that hotel room and they saw them all fighting, he was like, nope. Yeah, he's like, he just he couldn't handle it. Like, what Billy, if, Billy, I need help. Yeah, and like then he was outside hanging
0: out, and that's when, um, I think it was Alan or someone, show, like the one of the other knights showed up, and it's like, you know, there's a place for you. Yeah. Um, uh,
1: that that he could still be king. Mm-hmm. But he needed the rest of the support of the rest of the troop to keep the purity that it it's not that he didn't believe in himself, I think, in that moment. Yeah. It's that he realized that the purity of that code and that system that Billy created. Is what held it together. It
0: only works if you have people... Not everyone has to believe it. Because Morgan didn't really believe in this code. But enough people in that group did. That's what kept it going. Since it was all the people who didn't really believe in Morgan's code that are ones that left. They don't believe in anything. So you don't... You know,
1: I think that was my Thrill House moment. Was actually seeing everybody start to disband. Mm -hmm. Because it really illustrated that like... Oh damn now i have to go back to the real world yeah that this was a fantasy for them and that they acknowledged that and they felt lucky to be a part of it
3: hey boys who's the dude some promoter from dc Excuse man me. morgan and a bunch of guys are leaving with them half the group's going i swear hey could you stop that for now okay right half the group's leaving i swear it alan i think i'm gonna pull out Look, I asked you to stop that. That is professional equipment. Let's go! Go take some pictures of birds. Hey, 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 she's okay. She's my friend. The beauty is really a beast. I just told her you were a nice guy. Hey, board is you pulling out? Yeah. Billy's out of commission. Everybody's cutting. We're not gonna make Brower.
2: There's no bread.
3: Are you going with Morgan? Ah, man. That guy's a real asshole he's going with. I don't know. I'm just gonna... I don't know. Just ride out of here. The whole thing's over, man.
2: I've made a decision.
0: When this thing is over today, I'm taking off with this guy. I mean, he's offering me the world, and this is rapidly going into the toilet. And I deserve to be king. So I'm forming my own kingdom.
3: Pardon me, but you didn't win the right. You didn't win the crown. Oh, jeez. Come on. I beat Billy in Bakersfield. I've been beating him regularly. And I don't want his crown. That's a crown of thorns, if you know what I mean.
0: But maybe I'm missing something here. You know, I mean, if this
2: breaks, when this breaks up.
0: You now, I'm like you.
2: Trade school drop. I mean, I love these bikes. These bikes make me very happy. And I love what I do.
3: Pardon me, but you also love yourself?
2: Well, that's not so bad either. You should try it sometime. You bastard. See? I gotta love myself.
0: Everybody else thinks I'm a bastard.
3: I need a mechanic. I sit around away from you at night. I might as well be where I have my friends. I mean, at least I can get up and game of cards or something. Oh, you see, that's see. Why do you do that? Why do you make yourself out to be such a loser all the time? I'm not the loser, Norman. There's nobody I'm interested in right now but you. But some day there's going to be, and that's the gamble you take every time you go away. He'll be, be back. I'll be back. I give it two weeks.
1: So it's not that the movie. Took that so seriously, that characters took it seriously, and that yeah. was an important distinction for me.
0: Yeah, like because like you know, you, you, their first night after their their or first night that we see in the movie, like after they finish their joust, like you know, like they go and cook up some food, they pull out their guitars, they get drunk, they just have a good <laughs> time. They're celebrating; it's their after party, and it's like yeah. you get an idea: like, this is their days. Like they, they get up early. They work hard, they they, they, they yep. support this show, they try to put on the best show they can. Um, you know, they're they're cooking food, they're making baskets, beads, all this other <laughs> shit. You know, they're putting their body on the line and then afterwards it's like, you know, they they get drunk and you know, wake up under the wake up under the sky. Like it seems like a very appealing life. And then, like you said, once they have to go back to the real world and start figuring all this shit out, and realize that they're not under contracts and have a lot more responsibility. And yeah, they're going to be making money, but they didn't really need money before. They needed just enough to keep the ball rolling. Yeah. And I feel like to get
1: to the next town, I
0: honestly would have loved to have seen a sequel where Morgan taking over billy's mantle oh sure like maybe like a more like a a, a, (laughs) uh, not necessarily contemporary but maybe one a couple years a little more down the road and how everything is running because like for me i was i was hooked pretty early um but what really solidified this movie as being pretty close to a masterpiece for me and i'll go so i'll be so bold as to say that was the ending of the film was Billy's? I don't remember what word you used. <laughs> Romspringer. Yeah, uh, <laughs> his 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 journey to find himself,
1: and um, oh my god! And what? Uh, spoiler alert! When big, big when he spoiler. gets hit by that semi truck, it it was so abrupt. Yeah, like there was zero. I mean, you you know, he was. You could have seen, but like. The way that it was shot, there was no anticipation. It was it so was,
0: effective. It was just BAM!
1: And it's like, you
0: could tell... The, the. Have you ever seen the TV show Sons of Anarchy? No, I have not. Well, the, I am confident, confident that the creator of that show has seen Knight Riders. Yeah. Um, big spoiler, if you haven't seen Sons of Anarchy, but now because I'm going to spoil the, how the show ends right now. <sighs> the show ends in the same fashion where the lead character puts his arms up and everything and like, he's riding on the highway, but they, they really draw it out where like they try to make it like this, this Christ imagery and everything. And then you see the trucks coming it's bad CGI and everything. I love the way Romero did it. It's like, everything can be over in just a fucking snap. Yeah. You know, cause it was, uh, um, it was Billy not really paying attention and being tired it, and.
1: Be- yeah. It, it made it clear to me that he wasn't sacrificing himself, no. that he wasn't giving up. No. That that he was trying to find redemption, he was trying to find clarity, and something just ended his story. It wasn't he wasn't throwing himself on the pyre. Yeah. Um, you know, there were there were some points that this almost had a little bit of a fight club vibe to it. Mm-hmm. Um particularly i was i i was thinking about that during their last very, very uh long fight sequence to to see who would be the next king yeah um it it had this like and, and even earlier on when he would go out and and battle even just you know despite the fact that he was broken and, and bleeding um the reason why he was going out and fighting. There was that destiny element mm-hmm. with the the guy with the, the sh- you know the icon on his shield and um, just like this using battling and not worrying about your well being and your health in order to purge something or or the the way that he created this whole. Um, um, belief system it it felt kind of fight clubby at, at times
0: no i can i completely agree um and then i want to say like that that ending sequence of billy's funeral really just hit me because not only was it beautifully shot in the rain and then they had that uh i love that callback to earlier on when
1: to the song yeah he's like well
0: i, I yep. want you to play that song for me sometime and he finally gets to play it during his i funeral. promise
1: yeah i promise i'll play it for you i'm probably gonna end the
0: episode on that song today <laughs> oh it's nice. such a beautiful song um, I really loved that, and then you got to see Mor- Morgan, who's taking over the mantle of King, and, you know, they, this respect towards Billy, that maybe they didn't, they always respected him, but, like, this admiration that they didn't, maybe not, didn't have before, but they realized that he's the only reason that they're and all they still together. This, yeah. Yeah. And that that ending really got to me. I thought that was just really well done, and... I, I had to take a moment just to, to sit and think about this movie after I saw it, because it's like, I was not expecting a movie about jousters riding motorcycles to make me feel anything.
1: Yeah. Well, I think, you know, going back to a discussion we were having towards the beginning of this episode, it about it not doing well. I think that it, I, I, I am not well versed in how it was marketed. I'm, I'm, Like just looking at the the cover, the the the, uh, what at the time I'm sure was a VHS cover, like if you sold it as a motorcycle jousting movie, which is what the cover does, yeah. And it's it's really easy to oh you've never heard of Knight Riders? Well, it's about motorcycle jousting. Like it's (laughs) so easy to do that, but that is not what the movie is. No, that's not what makes it good. That's not it's what part it's about. of it.
0: It adds to that kitschy nature. It it's but that's it's not what's gonna make me come back to it. It's
1: a setting.
0: Yeah. Like yeah. I think
1: the motorcycle jousting is nothing more than, than a setting. It's not it doesn't eat into the themes and the what the the storyline, what makes it so good. All it is is the set. Yeah. Um which is great. That that I love that. Mm-hmm. It is a really interesting setting mm-hmm. for these unrelated, serious, important uh, conversations and topics and interactions to happen. Mm-hmm.
0: No, um, I love that. I, my question for you is, do you think there might have been a small bit of mental illness with Billy? Uh Yes. Because it's, you know, like he honestly believes this stuff. So it's not even just like him having these images of, of the bird. I don't remember how he described it. Is it like the raven or whatever that he's seen throughout the right. film? Um, well, and then you have that, that great line, I'm, I'm
1: trying to fight the dragon. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he thought it was real. I don't think he was uh, delusional. Okay. I th- But mental illness, yes. I think he... Um, I mean, even if you look, you know, based on our modern definite, because our the definition of mental illness has changed a lot from the point this movie came out to today. Um, depression, um, uh, uh manic, uh, de- um, perhaps some bipolar, um, Yes, he. I I do believe he was and like, mentally then, ill to to a certain degree.
0: And I feel like it was just getting worse by the end of it. Like he thought it was perfectly okay to walk into a fucking school in a suit of armor and just hand a kid a
1: broadsword, <laughs> right? Right. Um, well, and what he did to the police officer, yeah. Like th- that makes that make a little more sense. And um, and then his is- gr- his girlfriend's commentary when. Uh, she's talking about how like about two years ago you really started spinning out Mm -hmm. like i i think that that supports that too that at some point like that maybe he had these beliefs but about two years ago is when it started getting problematic and that that's when billy the person started uh, uh showing those initial signs
0: yeah and like you get the feeling that um. The only time he's truly happy is when he's sitting on that throne, watching this world that he created, yeah, live and breathe, yeah. Um, and then he's even very much like Morgan, where he feels he's got something to prove. Where Billy is not the maybe the jouster or fighter that he once was, so much so that he told Morgan that he could use that fucking mace. <laughs> just so he could show that he could beat him, even if he's using a legitimate weapon.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, but then like near the end, Grant, I know a lot of this is coming from blood loss, uh, but like his, he, he starts loosening the fact that he's riding a horse and I, you get the feeling that like, this is just the world he wants to have happen. Yeah. That maybe yeah. he didn't actually believe that Raven was there, but this is how he wants to see the world.
1: Yeah.
0: So yeah. Fuck, there's a I, lot going on in this movie. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I liked when um, he sat down with the with the guitar player talking about that song. Mm-hmm. Um, how Billy handled, or, or rather, how the film handled Billy's uh, guilt about how he interacts with the people yeah. in his troupe. The, the way he was like, you know, boy, I really don't pay attention to you guys, and he's like, it's okay, you don't need to do that. But he felt you you could tell that he began. To self-reflect. Yeah, I think that's what it showed, and they didn't set it up with a bunch of like, "Boy, Billy's not paying attention." You know, they didn't. They didn't turn it into this major plot point. Yeah,
0: it was something that he it was, wanted to do.
1: It was just Billy, for the first time, going, "Huh. What am I maybe doing wrong? What could I do better? How can I change in order to hold every to to hold this thing that I created together?" Mm-hmm. And then,
0: like, I, I also appreciate, too, that Billy's not the only character that gets some sort of arc. Like, Morgan has his arc. Alan, who is probably Bi- uh, Billy's biggest supporter other than the Queen, he's got his arc. You know, his girlfriend yeah. that he has throughout the film, like, he realizes that she's using him, not in a in a malicious way, but she's using him as an escape from her world. That he yeah. doesn't really desire her and he wants the queen. Like he's got and he's trying to keep Billy's world going the way that Billy wants to see it happen. So like all these characters have their their moments. And like it feels fleshed out, it feels real, and that's why I like it. And movies like this really aren't made anymore. This 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 uh introspective movie where yeah. it's two and a half hours where for some people would say not a lot is happening, but a lot
1: is. I'm gonna make kind of a strange comparison here perhaps Um, Empire Records yeah I love Empire Records like an ensemble cast where you have that setting that interesting setting Mm -hmm. but what it's really about is how this group of people that are all there together for similar reasons outcasts how they interact with each other and how they each interact with the world around them
0: yeah like, while this was, this was many days, I, I refer to movies like this, like, a day in the life type movie. Right, yeah. yeah.
1: Where I, may, per, perhaps technically a week or two in the life, but it has that same, like, this is a, a small slice. Slice of, what, of life.
0: That actually is a good way uh, yeah. to describe it. Um, I'm looking at my notes to see if there's anything else I want to talk about. We've talked about a lot of the big themes. Um, um, would you say, do you have, like, a favorite scene in the
1: movie? Um, hmm... Favorite scene? No, no. One doesn't really. I I think it. Um. Yeah, one doesn't stand out above the others, which I think is a good thing. Yeah. Like there means that there's not these pillars that it's all it all blends and ties together.
0: Yeah, like there's a couple of scenes that stand out for me. A lot of them really are uh, center around a little more around Billy and his when we are kind of allowed to see internally what he's like. So like I said, I mentioned the campfire scene earlier where he's talking yep. about not wanting to sell out. And then they have their council uh, meeting later on where you kind of get the, that's when you really start seeing Uh-oh. that maybe this man is insane. <laughs> right. Um <laughs>
1: you don't do that
0: (laughs) but i guess like i I guess if i find anything like i'd say and this scene only really works having seen the previous like two hours of the movie is this final quest at the end i think is one of the most satisfying parts of the film for me it's like in terms of it's just a beautiful way for the film to end it's 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 sad but it's also slightly uplifting because you Mm -hmm. see that this group's not going to crumble with him being gone like for me, like if that end if this movie would have had a, a less impactful ending, I don't know if the movie would have worked as well for me.
1: Yeah, uh, I'll, I I do recall the funniest moment for me, um, which doesn't exactly answer your question. No, but I'll, I'll take it, anyway. it. I'll take it. Um, when they're getting raided, yeah, and Friar Tuck has pulled the his his vehicle off into the woods, and he sees somebody kind of getting dressed, and it. <laughs> I have to hide my still. It's like, I've told you before, wine isn't illegal. Yeah, but it's more exciting to pretend that it is. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like fully aware uh, but he's like i know but this is fun yeah a uh, friar
0: tuck was such a funny character too because like they're all taking themselves very seriously but like i love that like he's just so jovial happy to wear his robes and like he's got game he's able to he's able to sleep with that reporter
1: yeah yeah so, so are, yeah are, are you a real i forget the word monk or something he goes oh yeah no, no, I'm just kidding, I'm not, I'm not <laughs> uh, I, I thought
0: Tom Savini had a lot of great lines in the movie Yeah um, you know, I, I don't remember when it came up But it was like, he's he's like uh, Everyone's calling him a bastard and everything And he's like,
1: see, I have to love myself Because everyone else thinks I'm a bastard in, I, I liked that too I, I think it would have been so easy To create him As just the The asshole that's tearing this thing Apart, but He's so much more dimensional than that. Yeah, because they also get the feeling that he's
2: not
0: just... Because, like, that's one thing, one thing that always annoys me in a lot of movies, where you'll have that asshole character who's tearing everything apart that no one likes, but he's part of the group anyways. You get the feeling that people legitimately like Morgan. Um, yeah, he, even he, Billy. Even his, his flaws. Like, they, they talk about how he's cheated on his girlfriend multiple times. But, like, he's part of this group. They like him. They don't necessarily feel like he's a problem. Right, like they—they right. they, they might be annoyed by him and actually think that he's an asshole. But it's like he's think part he of his,
1: bad choices.
0: He's part of this family, and I—I I, yes. I like that they didn't make him a one-note joke. And yeah. Tom Savini's performance of it helps sell that. Yes, because it's yeah, very it's
1: playful. It's—you could have very
0: um, easily he, made him out to be something worse. And even when he is turning against the group to go with these LA types. You because of the way he plays it, you never be like fuck you, Morgan. It's like right,
1: especially because and like they, even when he comes back, mm-hmm. it's not like a redemption story for him. It's not I've seen the error of my ways and now i I'll never be an asshole again. He's still the same person. Mm-hmm. Um, he he just shifts his understanding of what the group is, and um, and and I like that. Yeah. Also, that
0: because like they play it very much like Morgan was. Not necessarily. Like he wasn't one. He wasn't ready to go with these L.A. types as soon as they came to approach them. Like he 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 entertained the idea and he listened to them. But you got a feeling that he was loyal to Billy. He didn't go with them until Billy started pretty much kind of started losing it. And he's like, okay, this yeah. this is not worth it. Maybe I should go hear these people out. I feel like he was yeah. going to use them for a little bit and make himself feel good, but ultimately stay with the group. But if Billy wouldn't have kind of lost, it, I feel like he would have.
1: Oh, and and I think. It, from his character's perspective, he was holding this thing together. This thing that they created together. Yeah. That was his way of holding on to it because he saw it crumbling. Yeah. He saw Billy crumbling. He's like, if we don't take this guy's offer, then this is going away. Yeah. So by taking this offer, we turn it into something better, bigger, more people are into it, and we and we turn this into something. Yeah, I agree. it it wasn't just I want to be famous, I want money. Those were in there, but that wasn't like I never got the feeling that that was the main reason why he was doing this. Yeah, he was like
0: doing. if anything like they don't show it enough, but I got the feeling that Morgan he got involved with it because of the motorcycles, but he took it seriously. Like there's that line at oh, the beginning where they're like, "Morgan, don't forget you're you're one of the few ones actually wearing armor." And he goes, "Who's <laughs> why why is that my problem?" It's like so <laughs> right. Morgan took the time to get real armor made while everyone else is wearing plastic or foam or whatever. And he, a person who is not, who is portrayed as a person who's not taking this as seriously as everyone else has legitimate armor made because he clearly
1: is taking it more seriously than he lets
0: on. Yes. And I, and it's like these, these characters, and I feel like there's so much to chew on in this film. It's the reason why I feel like I, I see myself going back to this film. Yeah. Like I actually want to pick up the blu-ray for it.
1: (laughs) Something else that I appreciated was, um, I was anticipating the the agent mm-hmm. character to be trying to use them. Yeah. I, w- I was anticipating that he was going to just like, that that Tom Savini's character was going to sign up and then feel screwed over by whatever happened. Yeah. The, the swarmy Hollywood guy. And that's not how it played out. No. And that was interesting to me too. Like when when he decided to go back, the agent was genuinely like he 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 wasn't trying to screw him over with contracts and and take advantage of him. He thought that this was a good thing, that he could do his legitimate job as an agent, and it would be good for everyone. Yeah. And when he lost that, he was upset. Yeah. Like it um, and he put and, he put he sunk
0: all this money into their their new armor and their
1: bikes and yeah. like that that kind of got screwed over mm-hmm. by the whole thing. Um, and, and he again, wasn't like, trying to
0: do anything other than present this on a bigger stage. He wanted yeah. knight riders to be a thing.
1: Yeah, and, uh, I see so so many times in this film how Romero could have taken the easy cliched. Uh, low hanging fruit option mm-hmm. and he did and he made each of those things more interesting more dynamic more dimensional
0: yeah it's like, i feel like he took that he took the intentional thought process of like what would someone else what's what's the obvious thing to do here and it did something different even when he played into say a particular trope or whatnot he did so much else that was unique and different that others wouldn't have done like, I'd almost be afraid, like, if, the, if someone were to remake this film, I feel like they would take the wrong aspects of it
2: right.
0: and exemplify the night Riders and not exemplify the night Riders, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah. <laughs> if that makes
1: any sense. Yeah. Well, I mean, in, if you go back to Night of the Living Dead and how um, people inspired by that go on to make zombie movies that are about zombies, mm-hmm. not, when Night of the Living Dead wasn't about zombies. It was about people, yeah. Huh yeah and and this shows so so something that now I've seen enough Romero to say that he is he is good at taking interesting things as as setting while he explores deeply and and complexly, people and relationships and and reality you know what really matters
0: exactly you get the feeling that he doesn't come up with the idea first and then figure out the themes he knows the themes and tries to build an idea around it yeah like when he did dawn of the dead he wanted to comment on commercialism commercialized commercialization (laughs) commercialization (laughs) um and uh how mall culture had really become a thing and he's like, well, what's a story that I can do this in? And you know, he built that film around those themes, and you yeah. get the you get the feeling that that's what he does. He figures out the themes first, he figures that out, and goes from there.
1: So nice. Well, how are we? Uh... Oh yeah, yeah. No, I, I. Um, that's the end of my notes.
0: Yeah, that's I. I've... I wasn't really going through mine, but as I've gone back through, like as I've been looking at them as we've been talking, um, you know, we hit everything. That was a very cool. concise conversation.
1: It it was a uh, Romero made it easy for us, I think, yeah. to have an interesting conversation. Not every film. Sometimes we watch something and we, get you on know, we kind of talk. Oh, this part made me laugh, or this yeah. part I didn't. Do, but it's not
0: always easy to pull as much out of some of the films that we're watching. Yeah. But this one. Like you said, Romero made it easy. He gave us yeah. everything we need to talk about, and if we were paying attention we could find it and I can see there's gonna I can see there's probably gonna be a lot of people who might watch this movie on my recommend on our recommendation and probably not see all this stuff without helping
1: them out yeah. I hope so i the the best thing that I can say about it is don't don't not watch it because it's a motorcycle jousting movie yeah. You know, to, to give it a chance as a film. And don't let the runtime scare you off because honestly
0: <laughs> it didn't, it didn't, it didn't feel long. It didn't feel long. No, nope. Like it, it, it moved by at a good pace. Like, yeah, if I, if I, in, from a contemporary lens, maybe I would have tweaked down some of those motorcycle scenes and everything. And like, that, yes. Yeah. But you know, that, that, that's, that doesn't bother me as much.
1: I I think they were fun. Yeah. Like it was a little gratuitous, but uh I don't think it took away from it. I think it it felt like in those lawn motorcycle sequences, I felt them having fun. Yeah.
0: I completely Duh. agree. So, um before we wrap up for the day, you want to talk about um what we've been watching, what we've been seeing.
1: Oh, um did I, I'm trying to think. I don't think we talked about it last time. Uh, I saw Us. Uh, no, we did not talk
0: about that last we okay. It's been a while since we've had an episode. Also, I, yeah. I need to read off our iTunes reviews while we're
1: here. Oh, on. nice. We got we, some. We got two. Oh, hey, that's awesome. We got two. <laughs> um, I saw Us. Uh, I loved that movie. I, highly recommend it. It was beautiful. Um... Jordan Peele is having the best best couple of years ever. Yeah, uh, and I saw the first episode of The Twilight Zone.
0: I haven't seen that yet, but I, he's also been producing a lot, too. Like, me and, Well, we'll let you get back to us, but like, uh, we didn't realize that he was a producer on Black Klansman, and we just watched that yep. as well.
1: Yeah, I haven't seen it yet, but uh, I knew that he had produced it. I think he brought that project to uh, Spike, right? Uh, I don't know, but I
0: wouldn't be surprised, but I don't want to. I don't want to quote that as being truth because I don't know. Yeah,
1: that's what I heard through the grapevine.
0: So you liked us? Yeah.
1: I loved it. Yeah, and like um, I've
0: been reading comments online. People are like, well, I saw that. Um, I saw that 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 twist coming. It's like just because you saw it coming, does that really make it less effective?
1: It that that is only relevant if the film is only value is in the twist. Yeah. It's like
0: when people say that about N. night Shyamalan's films, it's like, "Oh, yeah. the film's not good after you know the twist." Is it though? Cuz I right. like to go back and and see how that was interwoven in. Like, that's why I think The Village is such is probably his best film.
1: I really enjoyed The Village. I think The Village I, is I'm with his best
0: film. People shit on me for that, but I think it's his best nope. film. But no, I really liked Us and it and um Funny enough, I, I've known people in my life who are complaining that they hated the scene in Us. Where, If you've not seen the movie, please stop listening because we might spoil something.
1: <laughs> oh, we're going to spoil it. <laughs> um,
0: there's a scene in the movie where, um, you know, um, her, I'm, it's been a while since I've seen it, so I'm, I don't remember any names. But like the doppelganger is sitting there telling them uh, her plan or, or essentially what yeah. happened. and. Right. Uh,
1: once upon a
0: time yeah and then they're like oh that scene this movie would have been so much better without that scene they they, they told us everything it's like they did not tell us everything because there's still no. I still left with no. a lot of fucking questions on that movie and yeah. if that for you is telling you everything
1: mm-hmm.
0: like if you really think the movie would have been better without that scene I, I completely disagree I think that scene was I, 100% needed I'm with you and Jordan Peele honestly reminds me a, his his choices remind me a lot of Romero where oh, okay. he think he it seems to me uh, he comes up with themes first and bases the story around it.
1: Yeah, yeah, he said um, that he was always fascinated and frightened by the idea of of the doppelganger mm-hmm. of of every of people having a doppelganger and what that would look like. And then like um, I, that's what he built I, the story. Out. I
0: also thought the comedy was really well timed. Like I don't I don't <laughs> feel like it was I don't feel like the comedy ever downplayed the scares once again i've I've known people in my life who are like oh the comedy ruined the film it did not it it, no you think about it this way you can this this the period of this film goes for so long it goes for it goes for at least it goes for a day and a half or probably a full day you know because night to night, yeah whatever um and you can only be scared for so long Eventually, you you like especially because after they start killing these things, they start becoming comfortable with it. And yeah, that's eventually you can't be scared anymore, and you are going to make a joke about you know hands across America or something oh, like
1: right. It, if um, it, take a roller coaster, yeah, right. You need to go up in order to go down again. Yeah, now, and not I'm not talking mechanically. I'm saying that a drop is only effective when you have. The rise like the scariest moment of the roller coaster isn't when you're falling it's just before you fall yeah right so if if you don't have that levity if you don't have the 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 feeling of relief mm-hmm. then you you can't set up another stair no exactly
0: and like i th- i loved it all the characters felt very they felt real they felt well-rounded yeah. like no i i thought the movie was fantastic uh I'd have to rewatch both of them to see which one I liked better with this or get out. But like, honestly, Jordan Peele has won me over enough that I knew I didn't see a single trailer for us. I just went in knowing he made it. I'm going to see it. Yep. And I think that's the best way to see it. Go in knowing nothing. All right. And like I said, there was enough good scares in the film that I don't think the comedy hurt it. Like I, it made it more fun. Like this is a Mm -hmm. fun movie too. Like it's scary,
1: but it's fun um i i wouldn't even attempt to rank the the films against each other yeah i think they're both great i think they both have their own value and and choosing one over the other i don't i i wouldn't want to do that i think they're both great yeah
0: and like i love too that he's made a career for himself after key and peel because i loved key and peel um yeah. but i love that he's been able to do something with this Yep. and he is i've listened to him on interviews before get out came out and he talked about how big of a horror fan he is that he's he's like oh, i've got a horror fan a horror. it was before he made get out and he's like i've got a horror film that i wrote that i'm i'm pretty excited about we'll see what happens with it and then he fucking an <laughs> Oscar for it
1: look, look, look what happened <laughs> yeah.
0: so yeah I'm, I'm glad you got to see us i actually see a, saw a movie that i want you to see okay um it's i think it's still on hulu Um, I described this movie as if you would have taken your budget for normal and tried to remake Labyrinth. Because it reminded me of your creativity and humor. Wow. Remaking Labyrinth. Um, Okay. It's called Dave Made a Maze. (laughs) (laughs) And it's about this guy who is a struggling artist. You can't figure out what he wants to do. Who starts making a maze in his living room. That has got, like, it's got the great TARDIS joke where it's, like, it's bigger on the inside where, like, it goes inside of it and everything and starts, it it becomes, like, this huge labyrinth. And he gets lost in the maze that he, like, there's a great joke beginning because, like, they go, his wife, his girlfriend comes home and just sees, like, a relatively big box fort and she's talking to him through it. She's like, why can't you come up? Well, I got lost. You made a maze in our living room. (laughs) and you're lost and it's like and then when they finally get into the maze the entire thing is made out of cardboard all the mechanisms are made out of cardboard and it starts getting crazy no i already
1: have the script half written yeah no i 100 i've been working with another filmmaker for a few years now on like i i have started making this movie oh no I've ruined this for you. So, so I guess I'll trash that (laughs) one. Well, see it first
0: and see if it, if if you can make yours different. Like, I don't know. I saw this movie. It's like, Nick would love this movie.
1: That's so funny. (laughs) (laughs) You're, you are in my brain, sir.
0: (laughs) Well, it's on Hulu if you want to watch it.
1: Oh, I absolutely do.
0: Cause if he's then, it's like, okay, he did it differently than us. Let's, let's see if we can make ours (laughs) different. But, uh, I saw this movie and I was like, Nick has to see this movie. I, I, another way I described it one time too, is like, if 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 the one of the blanket Ford episodes of community would have been a full movie. <laughs> nice. So uh I saw that. Did you see did you see
1: anything else? Uh started back um go we we finished uh catching well catching up on the Netflix available episodes of Walking Dead. Okay. Uh and now we're <laughs> taking uh Doctor Who on again.
0: Where are you starting?
1: Uh from the reboot. So Eccleston uh, on yeah, So Eccleston Honor Where is that
0: available?
1: Uh, Hulu. Oh, okay. No, no. I'm sorry. Amazon Prime. Okay, because I, I was
0: I'm watching right. it at one po- one point. I think it was before we were doing the podcast. For whatever reason, I decided to go back and start watching the Eccleston Doctor Who, and I was switching between that and Buffy the Vampire Slayer for whatever reason. Yeah. It was before we did our episode on it too, and I never got around to finish. It. Honestly, me. Like, uh, may- I have no problems with keeping attention span for the span of a movie. But for some reason, 45 minute to an hour long episodes, I struggle with sometimes.
1: It, it might be the way that they, the differences in storytelling. It could be. For that format.
0: It could be. Like with TV shows, I, I think I've talked about it here on the show. I, I like a, a well-made TV show. I'm not much of a binger and I don't get as excited right. for it. Like, and there's very few TV shows I ever want to revisit. Um, and what helped keep me interested in TV shows is keeping up with multiple ones at one time.
1: So, so you can cleanse your palate. And- yeah,
0: so like, I, I I, was currently, I just watched an episode of The Brady Bunch last night that I haven't seen. <laughs> nice. It was an episode where Greg had to make a movie for class, and I was like, there's oh. a filmmaking episode of The Brady Bunch, and I didn't know about this. It was <laughs> great for me. Um, and then uh, I started watching a new show on Hulu called Raimi that I really liked. It's a, oh
1: yeah, I've have seen the the still for it in there. What
0: what makes it interesting now to say because, so it's about a, a Muslim guy living in New York and dealing with that. And most shows I feel like, or most movies or shows that are about a Muslim character, I feel like usually do it where I'm Muslim, but I'm not I'm not a practicing Muslim. You know, I don't really believe in a lot of that stuff. This yeah. is one of the few shows that I've seen, and then maybe there's other ones um, where he believes in the Muslim religion and that's his struggle is,
2: okay. you know,
0: keeping up with that in a, in a millennial world where he does believe in God, but he does, but he doesn't know if he's necessarily a good practicing Muslim and kind of deal nice. with that. So it's it's a different perspective that I really like. Um, uh, I've been, I've been thrown every so often I throw on episodes of star Trek or the twilight zone, just to kind of, kind of the cloud. Cleans, palette. But really, the big movies I've seen that I think um, was Dave Made a Maze, I thought was great. Uh, Me and Amanda watched Black Klansman, and that was fantastic. And then I did see, finally saw Sorry to Bother You. Oh, yes. Yes. That was the most insane movie I could have Right? And it was very weird. We we did a double feature of Sorry to Bother You and Dave Made a Maze. Like, this is the weirdest night of our life.
1: It, it, is it the nick richards inspired uh, kind of double feature? kind of yeah like the the reveal like the the tone shift that happens in sorry to bother you yeah which i think you know what i'm talking about yeah um reminded me of the moment in normal when it it goes from this like weird stranger road trip film to like sci-fi yeah uh portal travel mo- movie
0: yeah it's like First, spoiler warning again, <laughs> as soon as I saw that first fucking horse person, I'm like, what? W- what just happened? man Amanda's like, is that a werewolf? She's like, that's a better looking werewolf than most werewolf
1: movies have. Like, no, it's <laughs> a horse person. Uh, an, uh, equi- uh, what did they call him? Equestrian or ec- Equusarian. E- uh, I can't remember. Equusarian, I think, yeah. Um...
0: And like the guy who like so runs strange. this company, it's just like I just love how on a suit he's like, yeah, they're horses. They're 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 gonna yeah. they're there. They make our life better.
1: <laughs> the, the, the total lack of understanding why it would be a problem at all. I
0: know. And then like, um, I really loved the lead actor. I thought he like yeah. he's really good in the TV show Atlanta that I watch. Um, oh,
1: I wanted I want to watch Atlanta. I didn't realize he was in it.
0: Yeah, it's it's on Hulu. There's an episode in season two that's really there's a couple episodes in season two that's art, that's really him heavy, but there's a great okay. scene in season two where that actor has to explain to an, another character who has never heard of Florida Man what Florida Man is. Okay. And it cuts in with like recreations of Florida Man, and it's just one of my favorite things that I've ever seen on a TV show. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> My only complaint really, about the film is I feel like uh, uh, Keith Stanfield, who plays Cassius uh, Cassius Green,
1: okay. he
0: speaks with such uh, like I don't I don't feel like he enunciates super easily, so like his dubbing of of the white voice always always off, and it always bugged me just a tiny bit. <laughs> Cause like I imagine when I know how a dubbing stage works, you're watching it and you're trying to follow along with their lips. And if you can't really right. see their lips moving very much, it's hard to dub it. That was my only complaint. Like it took me out of it okay. a couple of times, but like I just, where that movie began and where it ended. Um, and one thing I loved about it is I'm a huge fan of Savage Steve Holland, who directed uh, better off dead and one crazy summer.
1: I have not seen either of those.
0: Well, that we need to change that at some point because okay. Better Off Dead is one of my. It's probably my favorite '80s comedy of all time. Okay, um, but he 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 creates these worlds that are so over the top, where anything can happen, like almost a cartoon world. But no one ever comments on it. Like it's never questioned. Like yeah. it's reality, and it just becomes more and more a crazy form of reality. And this is the only film since one of his that I've seen that really gets that tone correctly. Yeah, nice. So I, I loved this. I, I love this. And I love the idea of the TV show. I got the shit kicked out of me. I thought that was great.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: and then like, it's, it's like, well, now can you play my clip? Oh, well, at first got to dunk you in the thing of poo. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: play it. Uh, uh, and then the only other thing I, I would say is, that I've watched was... Um, uh, I me and Amanda re- rewatched the original Pet Cemetery because we saw oh, we nice. saw the new one and I we neither of us really loved it so it's like let's go back and oh, watch okay. the original one.
1: <laughs> did, did that bad taste out of your mind. Pretty
0: much. Uh, anything else you've watched?
1: No, I think that that about covers it. Okay,
0: uh, I'm trying to think. Of, I, I've I've actually watched a lot, but since we since I've watched Night Riders, but those are some of the big ones. I saw the new Avengers movie and.
1: Okay, he wasn't wasn't my favorite, but so I'm, I'm I'm holding off till at some point this year we we're hoping to uh, get me caught up on the Marvel Cinema Universe.
0: Yeah, uh, which ones are you missing? Yes. Oh, all of them. Okay. Then
1: I I saw like I think I saw two of the Iron Man movies. Twenty-two movies um, is
0: going to be a lot for you. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, though, <laughs> if you want my honest opinion. You don't need to see all of them.
1: I, I've heard both things, um, so I'm and I'm leaning towards. I'm sure I don't need to see all of them. Like if I saw the other Avengers, I feel like if you movies. if you saw the
0: main ones, if you saw the the Avengers movies, you've seen probably Iron Man one and two. So I
1: saw the, Captain Marvel. Captain
0: Marvel. She doesn't play a huge part into it, but I did love that okay. movie. The Captain America movies are, are kind of important. Like, there's okay, there's elements in all of them that are kind of important, but, like, 22 movies is a lot, man.
1: Yeah.
0: I watch a <laughs> lot of movies, and I don't have time for that. And honestly, like, most of them, most of the Marvel movies, I have no interest in going back to.
1: Okay.
0: Um, I, I never... I think you will, like, do Guardians of the Galaxy films, though.
1: I th- Oh, I did see one of the... I think I saw Guardians of the Galaxy 2. That's very um, Yeah, because that's... Because that's the one with uh, Mary Poppins. <laughs> yeah,
0: and Kurt Russell's in that movie. That movie still makes me
1: cry. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, it's, it's it's right now,
0: you know, that, that and I, Game of Thrones are the two most talked about things. And,
1: and I wasn't, uh, like, I'm sure I would enjoy Game of Thrones. I have every intention on, at some point, going and watching Game of Thrones But uh, I have not... Well, I don't have HBO.
0: I will say, though, Game of Thrones is surprising for me that it took off to become the phenomenon that it has because people that used to make fun of me for liking this type of shit are ones who are like, will not miss an episode. I'm like, that's very ironic for me.
1: It's the same way with Star Wars and and, uh, the Marvel movies and everything else. Like, what? Yeah, the kind of things that I liked and always got made fun of for are now universally, like, enjoyed. Um,
0: I remember I saw online one time that people were talking about, like, Game of Thrones is bringing out a a role-playing board game. You're like, oh, you mean Dungeons & Dragons? That's been around for a while?
1: (laughs) uh Yeah, there's just about every major uh, paper now has done the, uh, huh, Dungeons & Dragons is popular now, article that, Pop up in all of my feeds. I don't feel like there's
0: ever been a time where it wasn't popular. Like it, it's, it's always been popular amongst its core group. There is yeah, never a point but, where people were like, oh, no one plays that anymore. Like people who've been playing Dungeons and Dragons have always been playing it.
1: Um, it but it was a, a niche group where now it's going mainstream. I guess my question for you is, how do you feel about that? I'm fine with. Like I don't have the the frustration of things like, Oh, now you like it. Or, you know, this was always like, it's like, it's a good game. Yeah. And I'm excited to a, learn to play it for real this time. That's right. Yeah. Friday. I'm, uh, when, uh, yeah. Fr- bringing you into the D fold. D yeah,
0: fold. I played it in elementary school. We played a very, ex- Oh, you did. Okay. Well, sort of, sort of. So we played it in elementary school. Um, a friend of ours in elementary school liked D and he wanted to play it with people. Um, and we we could never, like, we could never get a group together to play outside of school. So we were allowed to play like during like a, a lunch block or something. But so we only had like a half hour to maybe 45 minutes. So we didn't play like for re like, we did a very stripped down game and we just used dice to, to, we used rolling dice to decide if we did something. Uh, I don't, he, he picked an arbitrary number. Like if it's above this number. It's a, it's good if it's below the, like so like it's a very stripped down version, but it was like just telling yeah. stories and rolling dice. So like we weren't playing for realsies. Uh,
1: I, I, you know, not knowing what you're, just based on your description, that's pretty much playing for realsies. Well, I guess we
0: did, we we just didn't play if any of the exact rules. We were kind of, he was the one who knew the the game, so he was just kind of telling us what we were doing.
1: That's. That's not far off. Okay.
0: And this has been another section of D and D talk with Michael. and
1: <laughs> So Our next podcast.
0: Yeah. You never know. Maybe we could just record it and record our D and D sessions and make it a podcast. That,
1: there are people that totally do that. And I, that would be amazing.
0: <laughs> but, uh, no, I think, uh, I think we've ex- exhausted everything we have to say about Knight Riders, about what we've watched and possibly D and D. This episode right, has got every something for everyone. <laughs> uh, but uh um, cool. all right oh, oh um, actually we have... real quick i need to read those reviews that we got oh yes yes Ooh. and then we'll talk we'll, we'll we'll say what you're gonna say so there's only two reviews um so both of them are five-star reviews oh um so the us. first one is by a person called uh regnen um this was this was a while ago. This was from October fourth, twenty eighteen. Um, it just says it's so much fun to listen to these guys talk about movies, and I've discovered so many cool movies from this exclamation
1: point. Oh yeah. Oh, be still my heart.
0: And then this next one is by a uh, who, uh, guy who's been on the show, uh, Ron Pertie. He was on uh, our sizzling summer movies episode. Nice. He said, uh, "You'll feel better about yourself." Is the tagline. And he said, "Great show about great stuff that you may be too ashamed to have missed the first time around." I know there has been more than one thing that I was not willing to tell folks I hadn't seen, and knowing that there were others that um, others made that easier in the pop culture driven society.
1: Nice. Yeah. So... Oh, that really speaks to our milieu. Yeah.
0: Our our, our mantra. Yeah. So. Uh... I, I'm a man of my word. I read the reviews on the air.
1: Hey, hey, uh, and everybody listening, uh, why don't you go review us right now so that we can then uh, read your review next time?
0: Yeah. Was there anything else? Even if you hate us.
1: <laughs> yeah, we'll read it.
0: If you leave a name, we'll even tell you, you will even say your name out loud. Yeah.
1: Uh, you'll be almost as famous as us, which isn't very famous. <laughs> no, but you know, we, we do
0: okay for ourselves. Uh, what, um, was there anything else you want? So we to have
1: two, uh, yes. ep- our next two episodes. Line. Yes. Thank you. So they're Th- to uh, our... thanks to our sponsors at Mill Creek Entertainment. Oh yeah. So um, which one
0: would you rather do first? So the, for those of you listening, Nick and I just received some review copies for, uh, John Carpenter's Ghost of Mars, which is I've never seen, um, and then a movie called The Eyes of Laura Mars, which I was just sold because I love Faye Dunaway and Tommy Lee Jones. Is that could be a great cast?
1: And and we can you know not that if we can watch them both, we could do it as a Milt Creek Mars double feature.
0: We could, we could. Uh, I guess let's start. Which which one we want to start with, and then we'll go. From I there.
1: I would go uh, Laura Mars Eyes of Laura Mars. All yep. right.
0: We'll start with Eyes of Lore Mars. If we're able to watch both movies, we'll do. Maybe,
1: maybe we'll double feature. Yeah, we could have a nice long episode or a short episode.
0: Who knows? Yeah, who knows.
1: we'll, we'll see how uh, if they t- if John Carpenter can get us thinking like George Romero did.
0: I don't know our, our our um. God, what was that? What was that? What was that Carpenter film we reviewed like last season? Um... Uh... I'm drawing a blank on it. it is. Um... It was his Lovecraft film. Why can't I think of what it was called?
1: Oh, In the Mouth of Madness. In the Mouth of Madness. Yeah. That was
0: a great that question. That was a good one. Yeah. So we'll movie. see if Ghost of Mars is on the same plane as <laughs> In the Mouth of Madness. I've got some preconceived notions that I don't think it will <laughs> that, be. That it is not. <laughs> but I I, I want to be surprised.
1: But had I gone into Knight Riders, well, I kind of did. I went into Knight Riders with that opinion and, and I was surprised. Yeah.
0: But uh, was there anything else, Nick? Before we wrap it up, I think that's it. And if you're not down with that, I got two words for you: watch movies. Watch
1: movies.
0: It, <laughs> I tried to sing that. we will we'll get in it in editing. I'll I'll make that work. Red I'll red make red that trick. work. All right. Yes. Oh, and last thing, I, I should have done this prior, but I suck at ending episodes. Please like, rate, and subscribe on your favorite podcast uh, platform. We are on everything. We are on Spotify. We are on iTunes. We are on Google Play. We're on Stitcher. And if there's a place you want us and we're not there, let us know. I'll make that happen. Uh, So like, like, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. Write us a review. Even if you hate it, it helps us out surprisingly. (laughs) um go visit our sponsors I mean,
1: if you hate us it'll it'll ruin us yeah and that's why you want yeah
0: it. <laughs> it'll ruin us go visit our sponsors at both milk creek uh and vinegar syndrome they've been with us pretty much almost since the beginning um and of course instagram you can find us on instagram and we
1: love them for it exactly
0: <laughs> and instagram we are uh, at shameless picture show i am at michael underscore vires And I think I've got yours, Nick. You are at a word, no, a pick worth one thousand words.
1: Yes, Uh, my uh, my Twitter one is shorter. It's just uh, um, one thousand words. I think yeah, something. You had to choose the most
0: complicated name. Well,
1: you can't. There's nothing left, especially with a name as like vanilla as Nick Richards. Yeah, Michael Virus I kind of got lucky. Is a little. You got some play there, but I'd have to do like Nick Richards 01175. You could have just done
0: the Nick Richards. The Nick Richards. It
1: wasn't available. None of that crap is Tated. My name is Nick Richards. Like, short of Matt Smith, like, like, Uh, Joe Allen, or, you know,
0: (laughs) it's all Tated. Aaron Aronson. (laughs) Okay. Well, you guys have a good week. We're going to have a good week and go watch some movies.
2: Yeah, peace. i sitting here alone in my father's home. Tomorrow I'll believe in it, I'll be on my own. To the hill as a child I'll go. But I'd rather be a wanderer than never go. my soul, a song lies sleeping, waiting to be born, I can hear her weeping, deep inside I can feel her dance, going run to me, love her. touch my inner side. That life is an open road, there'll be people stay, there'll be people go. No, at first it pains me so I think I'm just learning how to let go. Maybe there's just emptiness, but with sorrow there comes joy. And I would rather die in a hurricane than to never know a storm. Fears I know I face them as my castle walls wall fall. so